Welcome to the Quadcast, brought to you by the Mary Christie Institute, a thought leadership organization dedicated to the behavioral health and well-being of teens and young adults. We have a particular focus on college students. I'm Marjorie Malpedi, the executive director of the Mary Christie Institute and the host of the Quadcast. Today, we continue our series with college presidents and their experiences during COVID-19 and the racial injustices of this past year. We are so pleased to have with us today Dr. Wayne Frederick, president of Howard University in Washington, D.C. Welcome, Dr. Frederick. Hi, thanks for having me. It's so good to have you here. It's been a few years since we've talked, so it's terrific to to catch up again. So this has been an incredible year. Uh, A lot of really challenging and tragic things have occurred. But I wanted to start with a good thing, particularly for you all at Howard, and that is the election of Howard alumni Kamala Harris as the first female and first person of color to become vice president of the United States. You guys must have been so excited. Yeah, we certainly have been excited. You know, the election of Vice President Kamala Harris is not just a landmark, you know, for Howard, but I think for our country, the 49th vice president is the first woman, first woman of color, I think says a lot. Howard University was founded on the premise of educating freed slaves moving from the South and providing an opportunity for those who otherwise wouldn't have an opportunity. And now we can definitely say we are also educating vice presidents and hopefully presidents. Yes. No, it's terrific news. It's great for all of us. So so let's talk about 2020 and 2021 so far. Uh, the pandemic, campus closures, remote learning, then the death of George Floyd, a summer of protests, and then there was the crazy election, of course. So I want to talk about what this past year has been like for you at Howard and for your team there. If I may, can we start with your experiences related to COVID-19? You're a college president, you're also a physician. So what was the experience around school closures and and, and campus safety? You know, I, I think this really tested kind of what our mission is about in higher ed and, and why we do what we do. So the first thing is always health and safety. We want to create safe environments. We want our campus participants to be healthy. And this really tested that to the fullest. So we focused on that. We have a medical center, health sciences center with a med school, a dental school, nursing alley health and pharmacy schools. And so we really brought all of that expertise together to make sure that we could stand up testing, not just for our internal community, but we also had to do that for communities of color that were at risk. And when you look in Ward 7 and 8 in D.C., we set up a testing site there because we recognized that people were, were going to be under-tested and we really needed to bring this effort to them. So it, I would say it really kind of helped us focus on our mission, not just internally, but what we mean to the external community. And then the other challenge, of course, was delivering the education and trying to do that in the best way. And I think it's been well documented across higher ed that we all had to stand up, you know, online education in a very quick way, hybrid learning. And to be quite frank, our students across the country, I think, adapted, you know, pretty well. It's been difficult, but I do think that they have adapted very well. That's great. One question 
We've heard a lot about the inequities around remote learning and and equipment and sort of people's different environmental situations, some way more privileged than others. With your students, you have a large uh, percentage of Pell-eligible students. So did you have any experience around having to support them in terms of their their work from home? Or did this become an issue for you at at Howard? Yeah, it certainly was an issue. And I I would take it in different uh, sectors. First with students, you had students who are now at home, depending on how many people they live with, depending on the situation with their parents, everybody's at home trying to access the internet so that they can get on their classes, but their parents probably were also trying to do work. And so that, you know, within families, we recognize that depending on their socioeconomic status, that was difficult. I I interacted with a student um, who was a freshman in uh, Minnesota, and he is one, he, he was one of nine siblings and lived in a house of 11 people. And so he literally, when I met with him for a video conference, he had to go to a local community college in their lobby to, to, his, to meet with me, and that's where he was doing his work from. So those inequities were, were evident. But then you had inequities as well with the staff and the faculty that cannot be overlooked, and that included everything from trying to find daycare, your faculty trying to teach, but not necessarily having childcare and daycare needs taken care of. You've had spouses that may have lost a job. And so you have faculty and staff who now in the middle of a pandemic no longer have affordable healthcare insurance. And they find themselves in a circumstance where even if they had COBRA for a few months, it's expensive. And then Obviously, the practicality of just not being able to get around and you have the mental health issues that come with that for all three sectors. And I think that that was one that needs ongoing attention and probably got delayed attention you know, across the sector. I wanted to ask you about student mental health. This is something that I know you're passionate about. So, you know, data show student mental health to be deteriorating as a result of all this. And and I want to talk a bit about some of the particular stresses and trauma that your students have gone through. So we just released a survey of college faculty at the Mary Christie Institute that showed that nearly 90% of them think their students' mental health has gotten somewhat or significantly worse. Does that resonate with you? What kinds of problems are you seeing at Howard and how are you sort of addressing that on campus? I I can't give you a hard number, but what I can tell you is we had a significant increase in a need for services, which we had to stand up online. Some of the temporary law adjustments to allow psychologists and psychiatrists to be able to operate across state lines were helpful so that we could expand our services. But we've seen a significant uptick in usage. We also applied expanded services as well to employees to, again, make sure that we were dealing with and managing their mental health as well. Having said that, I think the other thing that I I hope we will be able to look back on this with somewhat of a favor with is that that resilience and grit that students show, as we all know, builds character and it certainly builds fortitude. And so while, without a doubt, there have been mental health challenges, I also feel that we may actually have just kind of put a golden generation in the embers. And I think what that may birth could be very beneficial for the country. The other thing that I think has been important is I think we see our humanity through a different lens. I don't think we get into a car, a taxi or Uber, you know, whatever your choice is, or we go to the grocery store and look past the people that are serving us. And I think that that amplification of humanity and our interconnectedness 
has also been very important for our mental health because as we engage, as people get vaccinated and they see grandparents and loved ones, I think we are starting to appreciate as social creatures that the essence of our humanity really is that interaction is not isolation. That is such a great point. So speaking of our humanity and our mental well-being, let's talk a little bit about some of the tough stuff this past year that your students have faced and and, so, and some of the ways they have triumphed. I have to say, I was on your website earlier and I saw that your news site had a just a terrific article highlighting student leaders that were leading activism throughout the country and in their own hometowns. This is certainly related to through the tragic deaths of Black Americans this past summer, but it also was sort of a hopeful message about empowerment. And these young people were, were really, really making a difference. So talk a little bit about Howard students right now. How has activism sort of changed on campus? What are some of the, as you said, the silver linings around what has been a really difficult year for Black Americans? Yeah, you know, Howard's DNA is social justice. And for the past 154 years, we've been on a caravan towards social justice. What has happened last year with our students is that they have they now have many partners who've joined that caravan. And we're grateful for those partners. We're grateful for what they bring. We're grateful for, you know, the, the perspectives that they bring. What we have to be sure that we must do, and I think what our students have been focused on, is making sure that those partners that have joined the caravan leave it with, you know, more gas, with, you know, better tires, et cetera. And as they leave, they also leave with the amplification of our, the fullness of our humanity. And that's important because I think the students who are participating in that activism, I think what has changed is why they can gather. I think it has created innovation and creativity as to how they can leverage. But I also think students have also seen that while you can protest, you can't become obsessed with protesting only, that you have to look for policy opportunities and change, real real tangible change that will impact and affect how people actually live or, or how they experience their lives. And, and I think it's extremely important for our students to have that recognition and to now be participating in work that will have tangible and long-term outcomes. That, that is a great point. I want to ask you a little bit about your sense of how higher education will change in general and, and at Howard. When we talked last time, you you were very hard at work in, in a lot of different ways that would improve access, equity, and student success for your students. And you talked about a lot of changes that were sort of looking at changing what are considered like sacred cows in higher ed, things like credits and time to graduate and those kinds of things. Can you talk a little bit about how you think those types of initiatives uh, will be changed by what's happened this past year? Or do you just see this as, as more ammunition to to keep the fight going? Yeah, well, you know, certainly I think th- there's going to be a lot of change. What we've been doing at Howard is really trying to make sure that we provide access to a larger number of students, but we also su- provide support that we recognize what their needs and, and we supply those. So we, we had embarked on affording students the opportunity to take more credits, trying to change our general education curriculum so it was more meaningful to the outcome and not just having students do road activities or road classes to fulfill requirements. And then we also were focused on affordability. So, you know, we, we were providing a 50% tuition rebate of any cash that was paid for tuition in the last semester if you graduated on time or early. 
What has resulted now is we're seeing a, a an uptick in a three-year graduation rate that was non-existent prior to those changes. We've also seen over the course of the past seven years a, a 24% increase in our four-year graduation rate. We're seeing more students take on various things. But the most important thing that this has probably given us is our focus on students' mission versus their major, recognizing that what students want to do in life is what we should be supporting and providing them with the skill set to accomplish it. So I think that some of the changes we'll see in higher ed were not the changes that a lot of people were forecasting, such as the doom and gloom of, you know, in-person interaction or, or the demise of it, I should say, and the proliferation of online. I think what we're seeing is that the social interaction is part of the secret source of higher ed, training our young people to work in groups, to, to be collaborative, to recognize that they are here for others as well, and they are here to use their talents for others. And I think that you'll see a doubling down on that as we move forward. And, and I do think that there will be some proliferation of online education, but it won't be at the behest of you know the social and, and in-person interaction that I think our higher ed institutions create. So re- relate that to mental health and well-being, because I, I think it is related. So if, if what you're saying is that certainly colleges, some colleges, it sounds like Howard is one, will focus more on mission and purpose and what students would like to do with themselves in life. How does that impact their mental health, I wonder? Yeah, I, you know, I, I think it can help with their mental health significantly, because I think what what we have gotten into when we get, for instance, you have to get 120 credits here, you have to do certain classes. I think it it was becoming a bit of a check the box and move on to the next thing. And I think we were de-emphasizing the fact that, you know, if you have, a, if you're from the East Coast and you have a roommate from the West Coast, that was part of your education, part of your socialization, part of your opportunity for growth. And I think what we'll see is that we'll start getting back to that. We'll start emphasizing to students when they come to our institutions that that 80% of the time that you're outside of the classroom and not studying is just as critical to your development and your later success and your mental health as anything that happens in the classroom. Because ultimately, that support, that ability to be empathetic, that ability to see someone very different from you and recognize that they can still have the same dreams as you, although they have a very different background, I think is extremely important for mental health, for our own self-actualization, which is what I think happens on our campuses. So as an HBCU, you've always had a strong sense of community, and that's probably been valuable for your students, wouldn't you think? It has been critical. When we look at the mission of Howard University, why it was even started, it was started to afford those without an opportunity an opportunity. And that is a community value, making sure that everyone benefits from an institution, making sure that everyone benefits from an education. And that's why when students come here, we're very clear. Our motto is about truth and service. We want them to come here to get the truth, and that's the knowledge they get in the classroom. But they really are here to get an education. But that education only comes alive if they leave and go out and change the world around them. And so really doubling down on that effort, especially at this HBCU, Howard University, I think is extremely critical to our future success. Do you see some of the changes of this past year? Again, it's too really too soon to tell, but do, do you see the opportunity for more students from underserved communities to enter colleges and, and pursue post-secondary degrees? You know, I, I have mixed feelings about that. The, the pandemic really 
exposed our inequities in this country, healthcare disparities, income inequality, broadband access, and not just exposed it, but exposed it in the middle of a pandemic, which makes it very difficult, in my opinion, to then turn around and try to correct that all at once. And so what could be a downside of it is you could have people really go back to their corners, as it were, and protect their turf, as it were, and not necessarily open up more access. Access now also is more complicated because given what has happened with the economy and the dis- the, the, the disproportionate negative impact that the pandemic and, and the basically cratering of the economy has had on African-American families in particular, that could be long lasting, right? That loss of of a job and well could force students to make a decision to go to work versus go to college and increase families' debt. And, and that's worrisome. We have seen an uptick in applications and enrollment, but I, I worry that that may not be as even throughout the country when all is said and done. And so we have to pay very close attention, I think, to access over the next coming admission cycles and really hold the entire community of higher ed accountable. Also, colleges and universities really suffered during this period of time. And while Howard's enrollment was up, a lot of the other enrollments were down. That resulted in cuts. I saw a study today that is suggesting that salaries for faculty are down and that the number of people employed at higher ed institutions is down. All of those things can have a ripple effect that actually denies more access. So it is something you're right, it's too early to tell. And I think it is something that we have to be vigilant about as we go forward. Yeah. Are you going to be opening in the fall? What are your plans now that the students are getting vaccinated? So we're planning to open for in-person education. We will have some hybrid setup because we recognize that some students who may be more at risk, may be apprehensive about you know, coming to campus and interacting with lots of people. And so we, we're going to respect that. We're, we're going to make sure that those students are, are comfortable and we're not going to, as well as the faculty and staff, we're hopeful that the vast majority, if not everyone, is going to come back to campus. We're going to create a safe environment. But it is something that we're, we're watching closely and, and hoping to be able to execute. That's great. Well, I have to say, this has been a terrific conversation, and I absolutely appreciate your time. I know how busy you are. Dr. Frederick, president of Howard University, thank you so much for talking to us today. Uh, thanks for having me again, Madri. I really appreciate it. It has been too long, just like this pandemic. But Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. This has been the Quadcast, a program of the Mary Christie Institute. To learn more about our work, go to marychristieinstitute.org, where you can sign up for our other programs, like the MC Feed and the Mary Christie Quarterly. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a rating, a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening.